helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. There's a famous clip from Mythbusters where Adam Savage said, I reject your reality and substitute my own. More and more, it seems rejecting reality has become the new American pastime. Climate scientists ignore the reality, substituting their models that have repeatedly been shown to be wrong. The transsexual agenda ignores the reality of biology, claiming you can change your gender with drugs and surgery. If there's one group, though, that seems to ignore reality and substitute their own, it's political actors. From ignoring the damage done by overspending to the disgusting and criminal state of many of our largest cities, it seems no other group of people are as surprised by reality as politicians. That is, except maybe college students and recent graduates. Once we recognize the cognitive dissonance that seems to pervade not only these groups, but many Americans as well, maybe we can find a way to restore reality to, as, to its foundational place in our policymaking. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution, teach the rising generation to be free. And I'm so glad you could join me today. You know, th this idea of there actually being a reality based in science based in, in, well, based in reality. I mean, I've pointed out some of the more egregious ones, but just think of it. How often do people make uh, statements of fact and reality not based on anything? People make statements that something is true based on, well, little more than a gut instinct uh, or somebody said so, but we, we don't seem to go back and find out if it's true. I go back to my biblical training where, where, you know, I'm a Berean. I listen to what people say, but I'm going to go back to the document, to Scriptures Daily, to see if what they're saying is so. I do the same thing with the Constitution. Someone claims that something is constitutional. I'm going to go back to the document and see if it's so. That seems to be so rare. And and what, what I find so most disturbing is not that people will base their their judgments on something other than a, a reality they can prove is how strongly they will fight for it in the face of evidence to the contrary it happens all the time i kind of i've gotten used to it i expect it but it it does seem to uh to pervade not simply the politicos the academiacs or or, or others it seems to have started pervading the nation as a whole. Today, though, I'm going to focus more on what we'll call, you know, some of the, the political operatives, those who hold public office, those who work in political appointed places, and, and take a look at the, um, well, let's just say them basically saying, I reject your reality and substitute my own. Uh, take, for example, the words of Treasury, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. She was Speaking at a press briefing for the Asian Pacific Economic Co Cooperation Summit happening in San, or happened in San Francisco, uh, when she said this. Let me start with the Moody's decision. They maintained the U.S. AAA rating, but um, indicated that there's a negative outlook. 
This is a decision that I disagree with. The American economy is fundamentally strong, and Treasury securities remain the world's preeminent safe and liquid asset. I reject your reality and substitute my own. You know, here she has an indication, granted, not a huge indication, not, you know, red lights and sirens, but an indication of a, a problem in the, in the, not simply the U.S. economy, but, the go- but government spending, right? Because Moody isn't looking at the economy as a whole. Moody is saying, listen, in the future, we think U.S.'s AAA rating may be in danger. That's basically what it said. We're still AAA, which means it's still a, a safe bet. But in the future, we see it. We see a chance it's going to go negative. That, that things are going to be bad. And she simply ignores that. Well, no, no, no. That's not true. She completely ignores inflation. She completely ignores the rising interest rate, which will further uh, put pressure on the um, uh, on the you know, United States. The government spending. But then she take, took an interesting twist because, remember, this was before the, uh, the continuing resolution, which we'll talk about more later. A shutdown is something that poses um, an unnecessary economic headwind in a moment when the U.S. economy is doing well and moving in the right direction. So it's critical that House Republicans do their job and work in a bipartisan manner so we sustain this progress. In other words, it's critical that the Republicans do what we tell them to, um, because otherwise people will realize just how ugly and and bankrupt the United States is, the government is. Now, she keeps conflating the U.S. economy, which is uh, you and I, with the American government, the United States government, which basically is bankrupt. They're, we're what, closing $34 trillion in debt. Um, I don't know. That's, that's what, almost one and a half. We're getting close to one and a half times GDP. Meaning if the federal government taxed every dollar that transited through our economy, they could not pay off the debt in a year. But she goes, no, no, pay no attention to all of these signs that things are not going well, that, that, that there's a negative future. Simply keep, you know, close your eyes, keep doing what we're telling you. Uh, don't worry about that cliff you're, you're sensing. It's not really there. And this is supposed to be this, this most, the smartest economic person we can come up with? Well, it's whether or not she believes it. it this is polit- politicians, political speak. When, when things finally crash, when interest rates go through the roof, when inflation spikes, anything that, that would happen, that would be the logical outcome of the ridiculous overspending, she's going to be shocked, shocked that this could have happened. Because she's looking at this and saying, listen, Republicans, notice she didn't say Congress. She said, Republicans, do what we want. But when they're talking about bipartisan, that means when you know she's talking about agreeing with us. She doesn't know the Democrats to say, hey, you know what? We we are over borrowing. We are over leverage. We really should look at cutting our deficits. $1.7 trillion a year is, is truly insane and, un, and unsustainable. Um, we really should do something. So Congress, come up with a bipartisan solution to help do this. No. It's a political action. That's why I call her a politician. She's, you know, Secretary of Treasury, she's not an economist. She's a politician. And this 
to me. He says, well, we'll just, we'll just ignore the reality and substitute our own. She is ignoring reality. See, in the midst of everything's fine, everything's rosy, don't worry, uh, don't worry, be happy. Her, her treasury department, the, the one that she heads, issued their monthly statement. The federal government took in a record amount in taxes in October. Over $403 billion in total taxes in October alone. That is a record for that month. Again, it's the first month of the fiscal year. They brought in a boatload of money. There's just one little problem. See, while they took in $403 billion, they spent almost $470 billion. Even with record tax collections, they ran a $66.5 billion deficit in a single month. So I ask you, who's ignoring reality? Who is, is sitting there going, hey, you know, uh, hey, don't worry in the future. We're, we're spending money we don't have. We're borrowing money like crazy. We're printing money. Oh, yeah, by the way, to do this, this little sleight of hand, because you got to understand, when there's a deficit, what the Treasury Department does is it sells debt, right? bills and T-bills and, and bond, Treasury bonds to try and fund that, um, that deficit. Some of it they sell to individuals and businesses. Some they sell overseas. But a vast majority of it, I think, or at least a large percentage, is actually bought by the Federal Reserve. Now, the Federal Reserve is supposed to be a semi-quasi-private bank. There's just one problem. They have the legal, Congress has said they have the legal authority to simply make up money out of thin air. So when you look at that, what is $66.5 billion in deficit, a significant portion of that, well, it's just the Federal Reserve saying, oh, yeah, we'll just add a few zeros to the balance sheet, and then we'll buy that debt from you. But what happens when you simply make up money out of thin air, when you have more dollars chasing the same or less number of goods? We call that inflation. Now, According to, again, according to the government, the uh, inflation rate in October was 3.2%. And of course, Biden's doing a happy dance going, hey, it was 4%. Now it's only 3.2%. But there's, again, problems with that. So the Consumer Price Index uh, said uh, that, that, that it went up 3.2%. But here's the problem. Well, first of all, they said, well, it's down. See, last month it was in September, it was 3.7%. So it's gone down half a percent. Problem number one, um, most of those numbers in the consumer price index are a lie. They are intentionally, they, intent, they, they, they say right out, they do not include the most volatile prices, things like food and energy. You know, the types of things we spend a lot of our money on, the things that we really are worried about, food and energy yeah they don't count those but the other thing to say is this is not to say that the prices have gone down those exorbitant prices you've noticed at the grocery store and at the gas station and and everywhere else no they didn't go down they still went up they just didn't go up quite as fast as they did last month which means you can buy less stuff with your paycheck which means your real wages go down now it's not that these things are more expensive i want you to understand this 
This is a concept that, that uh, a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around. What you buy at the grocery store, what you buy at the gas station is not more expensive. Your dollar is worth less. Now say that again. Inflation does not mean things are more expensive. It means your dollar is worth less. Meaning that dollar you make from work is worth less so we can buy less stuff. So when Moody looks at this and says, hmm, we have outrageous spending. We have inflation that's not as bad as it was before, but still not really great. We have an incredible deficit. We're watching interest rates on the deficit climb to the point where pretty soon the interest payments alone on the national debt will, will be greater than what we pay in national defense. And they say, you know what? We think that that means there's a negative outlook on the future. And Janet Yellen's response is, no, 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 no. There's, there's no reason to think that. I ignore reality and I substitute fantasy land. But the problem with that is, reality is. Things are. And you can ignore them only so long before, well, they turn around and bite you in the backside. Slap you in the face. It's this idea of, you know, you can only hold back reality for a certain amount of time. Then as the longer you hold it back, the more pressure there is. And sooner or later, something gives, something breaks, and there's a, a price to be paid. Now, we like to avoid pain. We want to avoid the pain of realizing the debt. But the problem is, that merely means when, the, when you finally feel the pain, it's much worse. I was talking to somebody earlier today, uh, and we were talking about uh, he works with people to help get them out of the debt trap. That it it hurts to um to it, it, it's it. There's a pain to paying off your debt, to sacrificing something so you have money to pay off your debt. To put what we, what I like to call putting margin in your life, to living your life where you're not a spending everything you've got, or better yet, you know, or overspending. And that you've got some margin, and you can use that margin to do a lot of wonderful things. Initially, you want to pay off your debt so that it's not hanging over your head, but then you can use it to save and invest and help other people. But you see, it takes that upfront pain. Just as the, the marathon runner has to survive the pain of training, uh, the Olympian has to spend years in the pain of training in order to stand on the top step of the podium and receive the medal. We want to avoid the pain, but the longer you afford, avoid the pain, the more painful it is when it finally hits you. And we've spent decades trying to avoid this pain, and it's going to hurt when it hits. But if we don't deal with it now, it, it's, it's only going to get worse. As a people, we don't seem to have learned that on an individual level, and as a society, we haven't learned that lesson either. In fact, that's what I want to talk about, but I have to I have to head off to a break. Before I go, though, you know, the, the Constitution study is, is about not just, it's about reading and studying the Constitution. It's about teaching the rising generation to be free. It, it's about helping people to prepare to defend and assert their rights. And that's a laudable goal, but it's hard to do. There's a cost to this. And I, I hope you'll come alongside. If you like this program, if you like the work that we're doing, I hope you come along and support us somehow. 
maybe you can support us by buying a book or uh, uh, donating at the website, constitutionstudy.com. Maybe you'll just spread the word so that other people can learn about the Constitution Study. Hey, maybe you'll have me come and talk to your group or your event to help, again, spread the word and gain support. I hope you'll join us in this, whether it's you, you join one of our programs or just do what you can to support it. Because, well, let's face it, without you guys, it's just me sitting here in front of a microphone. It makes a difference when people engage and they do something. And that's part of what we are hoping to do with the Constitution study. Now, one way you can support us is actually by supporting, well, some of the sponsors of the network, like, um, well, like the wellness company. See, one of the things, one of the products they have, which is actually pretty cool, it's called Restful Sleep. You know, you don't think about it, but sleep is crucial to good health. Now, there are plenty of supplements out there designed to help you sleep. Many of them include hormones, but you know, hormones can be disruptive in the long run. They can disrupt your, your sleep cycle. They can cause dependence on that. And, and, and they can even interact with other products you may take. So the wellness company developed what they call restful sleep. It's designed to calm your mind, to soothe your, soul, your, your, your senses so that you can reduce stress and fall asleep without using hormones or other chemicals. It's vegetarian. It's manufactured right here in the good old USA. It is backed by documented research and vetted by the medical board of the wellness company. You can find out more at americaoutloud.shop. But if you go to twc.health, you can get 25% off of products and off your first month of membership if you use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. So please, go to the wellness company, twc.health. Use the code OUTLOUD when you check out. It helps. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, you get 25% off of products and off your first month of membership. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase, the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. 
America Out Loud listeners can go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. It's critical that House Republicans do their job and work in a bipartisan manner so we sustain this progress. This blatantly partisan statement by Secretary Yellen, not surprising, she's a political animal. I'll be nice to call her a political animal. She says she claims it's important that the Republicans do their job, but she doesn't talk about the Democrats doing their job, actually working to, oh, I don't know, follow the law and, and, and uh, put through um, reasonable spending packages, maybe recognize the overspending and do something about that. This has been an interesting dis- uh, conundrum because here we have a new Speaker of the House. The old Speaker of the House was literally thrown out of the Speakership because he worked with the Democrats to um, pass a spending, a continuing resolution um, without any without any real concessions. So he spent three weeks they, they they gave they gave a forty five day spending, you know, uh, authorization. Um, they spent three weeks trying to find a new speaker after the first one got the previous one got kicked out. Uh, he had what a couple weeks to try and come up with something, and well, guess what? They've passed another stopgap spending, another continuing resolution. This one has a little bit of a twist though, and and there's a couple things that if my information is correct, um, means this is not. It's not savory, but it's not nearly as bad as we may have been led to believe. So here's thing number one. Um, the reason they went to the, uh, to the stopgap is because the Republicans are getting eh, pretty much zero compromise from the Democrats, as I understand it. The idea the Democrats will not uh, agree to spending less money. In fact, uh, it appears that they shot down Fund, the, the, Biden's requested funding for Israel because it didn't also include funding for Ukraine. But I want to give uh, Mr. Johnson just a little bit of a leash here, a little bit of a slack, because what he did was rather interesting. First, they did get some of the appropriations bill through the House. That's good. Um, but they he split up this continuing resolution. So as I understand it, um, Departments of Agriculture, Energy and Water, Transportation, Housing and Urban Development, and Military Constructions and Veterans Affairs are funded through January 19th, while funding for the other departments th- th- would be covered through February 2nd. Now, why do I find this interesting? Well, again, there's a reason why appropriations bills are broken up into one of those 12 categories. You know, you, you can't eat the elephant all at once. By splitting this continuing resolution, it means in January, early January, we're going to be having a discussion about several departments. And the other departments were not going to be having a discussion until later in January, early February, at least if we had any sense. So it's a chance to kind of break things up and see, can we 
Can we focus on certain areas and maybe get compromises there? I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see if this works. Um, it is, you know, again, if, if all we're going to do is more continuing resolutions, then I, I'm sorry. Um, and I completely disagree with, um, uh, with, with, with Ms. Yellen. A shutdown is not a headwind. A shutdown is a shows that there is a the, the problem isn't the shutdown. The problem is why we're, the shutdown would happen. It's because we are spending too much money and there is no ability to compromise um, on both sides. See, while I'm, I I tend to be reticent about bipartisan bills, you have to. You know, reality is both sides have to compromise. Neither side is going to get exactly what they want. But if one side is completely unwilling to compromise, to recognize the issues at hand and deal with them, well, then maybe a shutdown is the best thing. Maybe we have to pinch our nose and take our medicine because that's what happens. And I know the Republicans are terrified because the media is going to blame it all on the Republicans, just as Janet Yellen did, which is why it's more important than ever that you and I point out this is not simply the Republicans' problem. The Republicans proposed spending resolutions. The Democrats disagreed. The question is, who was willing to compromise? And the answer so far that I've seen is, well, it's only been the Republicans that have been willing to compromise. That the, uh, the Democrats are completely unwilling to compromise, and it is that partisan Ajita. <laughs> it, it, it's the dissension that's part of party, poli uh, party politics that uh, uh, Washington warned us about that has us stuck here. Because on the one hand, you have a, a, the Democrats that won't compromise. By the way, you got the House Freedom Caucus. They're not too happy about the compromise either. And uh, again, you've got to be willing to compromise. There are certain things you don't compromise on. But you've got to be willing to compromise. And I'm at least willing to give Johnson a chance. This is a unique twist. I've never I haven't seen this before. Um, at least not not that I noticed. So we'll see. This may not be as ugly as we thought. On the other hand, it may just simply be another version of kicking the can down the road. In which case, if Johnson cannot get the um uh, uh the Democrats to compromise and even his own party to compromise. Well, then we're going to go through this whole speaker nonsense again. But the problem is not the speaker. The problem is the parties that are so dug in that they will not even consider any sort of compromise to, uh, to, um, to move toward a solution. They act as if uh, the, the, world is, is, um, the world is black and white, and uh, any compromise is a sign of weakness. All right, let's shift gears here because I think I've talked about that enough. Uh, let's head to San Francisco. I remember, I've been to San Francisco a couple of times on business. I have some really great memories. I remember uh, I was I think the first time I was out in San Francisco, um, I was there for a week and my birthday happened to fall during that week. And uh, two of the guys I was working with were kind enough. We were uh, actually... I think we we're in San Jose, and uh, they took me up to San Francisco. 
we went out on the wharf, we had dinner on the wharf, we spent a night listening to music, we had a great time. We drove down, um, was it Lombard Street? We had a great time. I don't think I'd be heading anywhere near San Francisco because, well, it's basically a filthy sewer. When you have people developing apps to point out where the human feces and the used drug paraphernalia is, your city's a mess. So in comes uh, uh, the, the, was it the Asia Pacific Economic Conference or whatever? And, um, <laughs> well, here California comes and says, let's see if we can clean up this mess. Um, they, they launch huge clean. Of course, they'll do it for Biden and Xi Jinping. I guess they just won't do it for the citizens of, of San Francisco. But they went through this, this whole thing to get the, the place so it doesn't look so bad, so it doesn't smell so bad for the visiting dignitaries. Now, to me, this is an example of reality slapping in the face. Because all the reports coming out of California talk about just how filthy and disgusting San Francisco has become. A once beautiful city where um, homelessness, drug abuse, paraphernalia is is ruined a beautiful city. Now, I'm not saying the whole city is ruined, but it, it really gives a bad look to San Francisco and in certain extent, California as a whole. And they were more than willing to ignore it or poo-poo it or, 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 or you know, just kind of out of sight, out of mind, well, until suddenly people are showing up. And, and kind of like, you know, the, the bachelor whose apartment is a complete disaster, well, when a date's coming over, he goes crazy trying to clean the place up. That's kind of what they've done in San Francisco. You simply ignore the problems, you know, oh, San Francisco doesn't have a problem. It's a beautiful city and life is wonderful and uh, until you can't ignore it anymore. But I see this as, as just kind of, that's the, that's the small fry. That's the little bitty thing. See, one of the problems in California is um, truth keeps coming out. Information that, that the state of California finds inconvenient. By the way, it's not just California, it's New York, it's Washington, D.C., it's it's Chicago, it's all these major cities. They don't like information that disagrees with them. Um, so uh, uh, New York State has is doing more monitoring of social media, and California, they just announced a new initiative to uh, try to deal with the, the possibility that artificial intelligence might spread information they don't like. They call it disinformation. In fact, they're focusing on election disinformation. I find this absolutely hilarious because you have to remember, I've been booted from Facebook since, well, 2020. And while Facebook won't tell me exactly what I did that violated their, their code of conduct, um, at the time I was teaching about the presidential election process what the Constitution and laws of the United States say about the election of a president, because it's been my experience, most Americans are woefully ignorant about the actual election of a president. They're woefully ignorant because, well, corporate media and our public schools have lied to the American people for decades, and uh, it creates a lot of confusion. So I was simply teaching, this is what the Constitution says. Article 2, uh, the, the 12th Amendment, I cited uh, United States law. And I got kicked off of Facebook. And not only did I get a 30-day suspension, I mean, they blocked my account completely. I couldn't even register a new account with a different email address because I was from the same IP address. So, uh, it, it, you know, Facebook has kicked me off. Yet, 
nothing I said was false. Everything I said, everything I wrote, I quoted, I cited, I put links so that people could, could verify it. But you see, that got considered as, as election disinformation by Facebook. Do we really expect it's going to be any different in California? When you point out, hey, these states may be violating the Constitution by uh, appointing elector electors in a manner other than the one determined by the state legislature, will that be considered election disinformation? When there are reports of um, ballot box stuffing and, and other fraudulent activities, um, will, will that be reported as, as election disinformation? When people report about a dozen absentee ballots being mailed to their house, most of them for people who have not lived there in years, will that be flagged as election disinformation? See, the reality is our elections are in trouble. The, the electoral process in the United States is in serious trouble. And as long as we keep whistling by the graveyard and pretending there's nothing wrong, uh, we're going to keep getting bit in the backside by this, um, by the, the, this ignoring of reality. Because that's what we're dealing with, right? Oh, that's election disinformation. Uh, no, that's the equivalent of saying, I ignore, I, I reject your reality and substitute my own. I didn't like that outcome, so that's not fair. I, you know, the, the very same people that, that spent four years claiming that Trump was not the legitimate president are more than willing to go out and, and censor those who say there were problems in the 2020 election, simply labeling them election deniers as if they denied there was an election. They didn't deny there was an election. They questioned the outcome. They questioned the processes that led to the outcome. But you see, that's we just ignore that reality. I reject that reality and substitute my own. And now the Federal Communications Commission has made up new laws. You see, they reject the reality that only Congress has the power to make law, that, that their rules and regulations have no legal standing. That's right. It had no, th these are not laws. Or not, these are not the Supreme Law of the Land. They are, well, they're tyranny. But they reject the reality that the Constitution does not list um, rules and regulations as the Supreme Law of the Land. So they take this, and what they're doing is they want control of everything. Now, they say they want to prevent uh, digital discrimination. What they have shown themselves to want to, to, to tend to do is to regulate free speech out of the market. It started with, you know, they, they always couch it in these interesting terms like a net neutrality. You know, you have to give the other side equal time, except they only seem to apply it in one direction. See, the FCC uh, the only thing the FCC can regulate is actually commerce over communications that, that crosses the state. Right? Look at the Constitution. Regulating airwaves is not a power delegated to the United States. Now, they could regulate commerce over those airwaves, but they're not regulating commerce. They're regulating the airwaves. Now, does it make sense to have the federal government do some of that? Maybe, but should the people discuss that? Shouldn't we actually, oh, I don't know, amend the Constitution to legally give the federal government the authority to do that, rather than having them simply reject reality and substitute their own? And you see, that is where we have part of the problem is because 
we have spent so much time being told to reject reality, we don't know what reality is. You know, when John Jay, our, our first Chief Justice, said every member of the state ought to need to read and study the Constitution of his country, teach your rights and generation be free, he said so that by knowing their rights, they will sooner perceive when they are violated. In other words, they won't be, be um, succumb to the lie, to the rejection of reality, to the substitution of preferences for reality when it comes to your rights. They'll be prepared to defend and assert their rights. And that's something I think the American people need to learn to do again. Now, if you want to find out both sides, if you don't want to be succumb to the, the disinformation tyrants, well, a great place to go is AmericaOutloud.news. In fact, I go there every day for news and information. And I suggest you do as well. But remember, information, knowledge, is only power if you use it. The blessing to have access to this news really is only useful if we also share it. So that's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to head to America Out Loud News every day to find those stories, those podcasts, those articles, those videos, things that say something important, things that say something that should be shared, and share it. Don't wait for someone else to do it. You share it yourself. Help us as we secure the blessings of liberty. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced. These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. Today, we're talking about, well, rejecting reality. 
basically making stuff up as you go along. I, I don't care what reality is. This is what I want. And well, I'll pretend it's true. I've looked at some examples and well, I'm going to take a spin here and head off towards the judicial branch. Recently, a U.S. District Judge, a John L. Cain, came up with a very interesting decision. You, you see, there's a group um, that's challenging Colorado's three-day waiting period on all gun sales. Now, there's a request for an injunction to halt enforcement while litigation continues. And uh, in, in deciding not to issue such an injunction, the uh, judge wrote, uh, talking about uh, the right to keep and bear arms is, but the purchase and delivery of an object, here a firearm, is not an integral element of keeping, having, or bearing, i.e. carrying, that object. Rather, purchase and delivery are one means of creating the opportunity to have weapons. The, que the relevant question is whether the plain text covers that, speci that specific means. It does not. Okay, I, 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 I will give a judge uh, credit for actually caring about the plain text of the, the Constitution. I give him poor marks on his actual reading comprehension. So if you have the right to keep and bear arms, there are only two ways to be able to have something in order to be able to keep it. You make it or you purchase it. You trade for it. That, that trade could be uh, uh, any sort of system, but for the most part, it is, if it's done with money, it's called purchasing. Now, if you have a, let me, let's look at it this way. Um, the uh, Sixth Amendment says you have a right to the assistance of counsel. Now, nowhere did someone say, well, you know, having the right to the assistance doesn't mean that you can have it provided for you. In fact, the exact opposite. We, we, we know, all of us have heard the Miranda warning. You have a right to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, one will be provided for you at no charge. In other words, the ability to pay for, to purchase the services of legal counsel are so integrated into, the, into that right that if you can't afford one, the, the state will pay for it. Taxes will pay for it. But according to this judge, the ability to have a firearm does not include the ability to actually acquire the firearm. He says the purchase and delivery are one means of creating the opportunity to have weapons. Well, unless you have the skills to build one for yourself, it is not simply, uh, it, while it is one means, it is the means by which the vast majority of Americans have firearms that they can keep. But you see, we once again have a, you know, we'll disregard reality and substitute my own. So we have a, a judge that, um, again, looks at the law and kind of reads into it what he wants. Now, I will, I will agree with him on one point. The, the Second Amendment does not say you have the right to purchase firearms. It says you have the right to keep firearms. And how you keep those firearms how you go about acquiring the firearms that you keep, well, they're not there. But would that not be covered, under, if not directly under the Second Amendment, wouldn't it be covered under the Ninth Amendment and your right to um, purchase stuff? Again, we have a question of um, the, the state's desire to regulate uh, a, the Second Amendment versus the plain language. It says, if I can keep it, I should be able to buy it.
we also have the violation of the 14th Amendment because it is a deprivation of property without due process of law. In other words, the if you in, in Colorado's new law, if you purchase a firearm, you have to wait before it's yours. You own it, it is yours, but you can't pick it up for several days. Um, under the theory that, you know, well, someone is really mad, they've got a few days to cool off before they can do they do something stupid, as if that's gonna stop anybody. But here you have a I have property. If you're in Colorado, you purchase a firearm, you have property. The state's saying you cannot have that property for three days, yet we've got no proof that you are a danger to others. There's no probable cause that you're a danger. There's no probable cause that you're going to use it for an illegal purpose. So we have a, even if you could come into the Second Amendment saying, keep would not naturally include the ability to acquire, which is pretty iffy. How about the 14th Amendment and the law which denies person uh, their property for a period of time without due process of law? That, to me, is going to the reality of this, not the, uh, the substitution of what some people appear to want. Let's look at another uh, uh, suspension of reality. Uh, Jack Smith, uh, he is the prosecutor that basically uh, wants a gag order on Trump. Now, listen, Trump is, in his own mind, he's being persecuted by the Department of Justice for being a presidential candidate that um, the, 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 the deep state, the swamp, whatever you want to call it, doesn't like. Now, part of this includes criticizing uh, the, the, the prosecution and, and for how it is conducting the, um, the case. Now, you have all the questions of freedom, freedom of speech. It's interesting that uh, this is the defendant um, talking about the a public figure. Now, what's interesting is he is uh, Mr. G- uh, um, Smith got a gag order. It was suspended uh, by a a um, uh, an appeals court, and now he wants it back because, well, he's not worried about Trump's First Amendment rights. No, no, no. He's he's worried that. Um, what Trump is saying makes him look bad. Now, according to um, Mr. Smith, he says there there's never been a criminal case in which a court has granted a defendant an unfettered right to try his case in the media, malign the prosecutor and his family while claiming the former president has threatened witnesses and others. Well, guess what? If, if he has um, defamed the prosecutor or his family, sue him for defamation. If he has threatened, if you actually have evidence that he has threatened witnesses, that is a crime. Charge him with it. See, we're going to ignore reality and we just make stuff up on our own. And we end up with um, what's commonly referred to as as people um, not trying crimes looking for the guilty, but trying people looking for the crimes. And that is the reality of that is. Um, uh, that's a banana republic. That's a police state. That is a tyrannical, uh, uh, a tyrannical system. And sadly, it is part of our system today, not just with Trump. Uh, the Roman Catholic people you know, with the Latin mass and, and being tagged as potential domestic violent extremists. 
um, people being raided for showing up the Capitol on January 6th, or simply for protesting outside uh, abortion clinics. We, we tried them with force in the public eye. Right? Remember, Mr. Smith, the federal government is um, basically trying their case in the public eye against January 6th uh, uh, opponents, against, uh, um, against uh, uh, families that disagree with or, or are verbal, uh, maybe even loud, in school board meetings. They've taken every opportunity to take their political opponents and try them in public by using raids, by using excessive force, by doing so in public manner, herp walking to show off. That's how governments have done things. They, and it's nothing new. It's just they've taken it to another level. Now, one more, this is a very obvious example of suspending reality and substituting your own. And it has to do with the pro-Hamas movement we have seen around the world. And yes, right here in um, good old United States. Now, there have been a con there's been a conflict between Israel and their neighbors since it was formed in 1948. But we're going to, you know, we see people coming out and saying, we're pro-Palestine and chanting from the river to the sea, um, you know, calling Israel an occupying power, completely ignore certain certain facts. Um, it was Hamas when they were voted into power uh, a year after Israel left Gaza. Israel left Gaza, took all the Jews out of Gaza, hand, handed over all the land, everything they built on it, left them all sorts of systems. It was Hamas that took all that infrastructure and turned it into weapons. It was Hamas that took the water pipes and used them for rockets. It was Hamas that had been firing rockets regularly into Israel. And it was Hamas on October 7th that committed acts of horror against civilians. And it is everybody and the people who are supporting this movement are supporting inhuman terror, acts of cruelty not seen since the Nazis, maybe not even seen during the Nazis. They simply ignore the reality that much of Israel was purchased by Jews before Israel became a, a nation. Before there was Israel, Jews were buying up land in Palestine. It ignores the fact that um, Gaza, in this case, shot first. That that uh, all the complaints about the lack of food and water and power and and fuel, while Hamas apparently is hoarding large quantities of this, and all these claims of Israeli genocide, while there's now evidence not only that did Hamas um, rape women in public, uh, kill families, burn babies, behead children, there's now evidence that they have been shooting civilians trying to escape. Israel said, we're going to attack here. If you don't want to be part of it, leave. And Hamas won't let them. Now they're finding out that they've actually killed Gazan civilians who are just trying to escape Israel. Now, not Israel, but the, 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 the Israeli um, uh, attacks, the Israeli uh, counteroffensive against what Hamas did. Now listen, that doesn't mean you have to like Israel. 
you, you, do, you, you may think that how they treat Gaza and, and, and the rest of, of the people in that area is wrong. That's fine. But if you're going to start chanting from the river to the sea, realize you are chanting a call for genocide to, dis, to basically get rid of Israel. Oh, no, we're just talking about... Uh, no, you're not. You may convince yourself that all you're talking about is those poor, innocent Palestinians who voted in Hamas, who appears to do as much harm to Gazan civilians, more harm actually to Gazan civilians than Israel does. Remember, it's Hamas that hides their command centers under schools and hospitals. It is Hamas who fire rockets from near near schools and hospitals so that retaliation may um, include the death of civilians. And, and remember, it is apparently Hamas that's also willing to to kill civilians as they try to escape. Now, maybe that's wrong, but based on the evidence I've seen so far, it's not. Which makes me wonder, just how far up our backside are our heads, are the heads of the people who are out there chanting from the river to the sea? When you've got uh, members of Congress that have both the rainbow flag and the Palestinian flag side by side outside their offices, just forgetting the fact that in Arab in Muslim countries, homosexuals are murdered. The, the, the government throws them off of buildings. We have this cognitive dissonance. Now, the first thing we have to do is recognize the cognitive dissonance. And the way you do that is by coming back to reality. There's a, you know, when, when, when I teach my boot camps, which I'd like to have another boot camp, by the way, if anybody's looking to put on an event, I'd love to do another boot camp um, somewhere. So you know, reach out, let me know. But it, during the boot camp, we start off with there are four foundational principles to studying what's going on. First, it's only an opinion until there's proof. I don't care who says it. It's only, second, an expert opinion is only an opinion until there's proof. Just because someone claims to be an expert, just because someone is an expert, doesn't mean they're right. Original documents. Whenever possible, go to the original documents. If someone says something, says a document says something, go to that document and check it. Because the last is to check your sources. Because we don't want to be fooled by the cognitive dissonance. We want to find reality. We don't want to substitute reality with our own opinions. We want to find, and you know what? It's hard because it's hard to look at something that you've believed for a long period of time and find out first, maybe you're wrong. And then, gee, maybe I am wrong. There's evidence that I'm wrong. I have to change it. it it's not easy, but it's important. See, as long as we keep rejecting reality and substituting our, our wishes, our desires, uh, we keep walking into walls. We keep stepping off of cliffs. You know, in the reality that you think is true, you may be able to walk on water. But when you walk off that pier, you're going to get wet. Now, we may disagree on some of the details, and we may disagree on how best to get to the outcome. But if we don't start with, a re with reality, then we're never going to get anywhere. As long as we simply argue, well, that's your reality, and, and, and you know, my reality is something else, you're, you're, you're talking to a fool. You're arguing with a fool. That is the definition, of, that is, is, is Bonhoeffer's definition of stupidity. 
you look at the facts and simply reject it because it doesn't fit with your preconceived notion, your prejudices. We have to start by finding reality. And it takes work and it takes effort. But guess what? It is the only way, the only way to get to where you want to go is to know where you're starting from. Now, hopefully one of the places you want to go is right here to the Constitution study. We can be heard every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern time on America Out Loud, Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio network. You can listen to our episodes on podcasts. They generally go to podcast a day or two after they're heard on the radio, and you can listen in your favorite podcast app. But I ask you, subscribe to the show. Leave the episode's ratings and reviews. It helps other people find us, especially on Apple Podcasts. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But just as you found us, help other people find us as well. Share those links. You don't have to have a big following on social media. You don't have to have a giant email list. Wherever you can, share that information. Share the links. Share the stories. See, the blessings of liberty are not something that are simply there. They are blessings because we exercise them. And if you want to enjoy the blessings of liberty, you need to share them with friends, with family, and with anybody who will listen.